Good afternoon, everyone. As you know, it's Friday, which means it's time for the Pete the Planner show live stream, the show behind the show, a look behind the curtain of how does a syndicated radio show that is moderately popular in the podcast world, how does that actually happen? I mean, podcasts are so mysterious. Wouldn't you like to know how it all works that's what this show is week two uh sharing the entire stream with the podcast audience welcoming my partner uh in this production damien dunn to the program hello dame moderately popular seems like you've given us a, a boost that we may or may not have earned see our live stream uh viewers our regulars are making their way in danza good day to you early start today yeah you know dame and i are working out some kinks i have a new machine running the program, a new computer running the program. So we're hoping for some efficiency and I need to get this out of the way right away. With new machines come new bugs. And this particular bug of this particular beautiful new machine, it will just randomly shut down Google Chrome like it's a workout facility in Jersey during a pandemic. Like it, it will just shut it down. Do you like that, Dave? Yeah, it was great. All right, hey, we need to do... Uh, like we do on the live stream, we needed to do our pre-production meeting. Oh, good. A good pre-production meeting uh, to you, Dame. All right, so we want to do an end-of-the-year household financial meeting instruction booklet. Okay, so we'll do that. Uh, by the way, hello, Amanda Grace, and hello, Chuck Knoll. By the way, Amanda Grace hyphenated all one word. That's a lovely name. You don't get, you don't see those two combinations of uh, proper names put together, Amanda Grace, it's a lovely name. All right, Dame, so did Oz put anything in the radio show question tab? You know, I hadn't made it that far today. Uh, she has a pension question in there. Okay, so okay. we're gonna do uh, a pension question today. We are going to do a uh, segment on end of the year household budget meeting. And uh, anything else that you really wanna chat with uh, today, Dame? Uh, not off the top of my head, but I'm sure something will present itself. It always does. So maybe we will start with the pension question. Uh, you know what? Let's start with the holiday. Let's start with the, uh, start with the end meeting. of the year thing. Want to do that? Yeah. All right. Dane, by the way, right now in Washington, D.C., as it stands, it's 11.53 a.m. They are still trying to figure out how to make sure the government does not shut down in the midst of a pandemic and recession in the next 12 hours and seven minutes and how to get relief to those that need it best. At this time last week, roughly 168 hours ago, I predicted that they would not be able to come up with the deal and you predicted they would be able to come up with the deal. One of us will be proven wrong, hopefully me, in the next 12 hours and seven minutes. What do you think? I think you will be wrong. Well, maybe, maybe not in the next 12 hours. They, do they go on break if they pass the... The government the, the shut down it's not no, funding no, no. by the end of the day. Continuing resolution, they'll kick it down for another week. It's not a big... Well, I guess it won't be a week because they've got Christmas next week. So I don't know. Be they, got, they all got to go home and not follow their own mask up uh, mandates. So you know That's what right. I mean? That's right. Uh, by the way, in current events this week, I know there was a lot going on. Some of our favorite stories have showed their ugly heads this week. Uh, including Robin Hood, and uh, there's a lot of student loan news too. Are we are we doing student loan stuff? Or are we not doing student loan stuff this week? Um, I don't have anything on student loans. That's fine. In there, I think but... we do enough of that. Yeah. 
there was a really fascinating article this week. I sent it to you, Dame. I don't even remember where it was from. It talked about where does this, the, the bulk of the student loan debt really lie, right? Like who really has it? And as Craig P. Anderson, contributor to the show, has said in the past, uh, oftentimes it's people making really good money who have really big degrees. And that's why they've got $250,000, $100,000 in student loans. And which sheds new light on this idea of forgiveness. Like who are we really helping in, you know? Did you that? see the follow-up article I posted in the channel too? I about the, the, the surveys that have been uh, levied out there with rather large pools of people answering the questions. It's kind of surprising some of the results. Dan, let's get to the show. Okay. Um, it was a little surprising, wasn't it? Mm. <laughs> That's what I just said. Uh, okay. So, dang, dang, fingers crossed that the new computer performs here, that, that, that Chrome doesn't just shut this sucker down. I will do everything I can on my end to make Have sure. Have you ever had a bagel there. from Bagel Fair in Indianapolis when you're at the headquarters? No. I've never gotten you a Bagel Fair bagel. No. Okay. Well, first of all, do you love like authentic New York bagels? Yeah. What's your favorite? What's your go-to bagel order? Oh, I just my experience with bagels from Indy primarily comes from the time when I was a financial advisor, and wholesalers would just bring boxes up with them as mm -hmm. the the morning. Uh, so I, I never really put in my own order for bagels, oh. and I, I I can't speak with any uh, massive experience on that. Do you like an everything bagel? Yeah, they're all right. Oh. Sesame seed. <laughs> All right, I will hook you up with Bagel Fair the next time you're here. Bagel Fair is the closest thing you can get to a New York bagel in Indiana, and it is delicious. And it's right by our office. They still have Einstein bagels. Is that a thing? Those are pieces of bread. Those don't count. Oh, oh. I'm a bagel snob. Three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's ask. Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. And boy, did we get your emails this week. By we, I mean mon frere. Damien Dunn, no relation, joins me from Studio North, Northern Indiana. Hello, Dame. Was I supposed to respond to those emails? <laughs> no, uh, I think I am. That's, that's oh, the okay. whole point of this show. So thank you for everyone listening. I hope you're having a great holiday seasoning, whether, seasoning, season, whether you're listening on WIBC in Indianapolis, 1330 WTRE in Greensburg or any other of our delicious affiliates. Dame, let's get right to the show this week. It's end of the year, so it means the best part of my year, the Planner Household Holiday Financial Meeting. And I love it. Do you and uh, your Mrs. Planner slash Mrs. Dunn, do you guys have an end of the year financial meeting? Not necessarily. I We have... Um kind of an ongoing conversation throughout the month of December with just things that still need to be wrapped up and taken care of and then starting to project through the first and second quarter of next year. So it's it's not necessarily one dedicated time that we sit down and, and have everything out, but we we do have many conversations uh, actually that start in the last half of November, but roll in through the entire month. So the last few, yeah, right. So Mrs. Planner and I have always had very, always is a bit strong for a very long time, have had uh, 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 really structured financial conversations that sort of push us forward that 
that create financial goals, that create to-do items. In the last couple of years, we've really dialed in over the holidays to say, all right, what did this year look like? How, how did last year um, compare to the previous year? And what do we have to do in the next 30 days? Because very frankly, Dame, most of our action items in our financial life, since we automate everything, right? Everything is auto-deducted or auto-deposited. Most of our action items happen in January. So uh, we sat down this past week and I, I, not, I don't want to run through my personal financial plan, but Dame, what I would like to do is I would like to run through the process of having that meeting. What should be talked about, um, why it matters, and in a very strange way, how it can improve your relationship with your significant other. Dame, are you interested in improving your relationship with my significant other? Of course I am. And I also think it's important to say that as we go through this today, that rhymed, uh, even if you're single, this is an, a, a wonderful exercise. And as my wife said to me as we're having this conversation the other day, is this just all so you can build a really intense spreadsheet? And I looked her straight in her small <laughs> eyes and I said, yeah, 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 it absolutely is. Dame, you know me. I do. I love a spreadsheet. Okay. So Dame, here is the perfect formula for the perfect end of the year holiday meeting. Again, the overarching idea is this. How do we do this past year? Uh, how did our net worth change over the previous year? Because at, in its essence, it is a spreadsheet that lists the value of every asset you have, the balance of every debt you have, and then offsets them to create the classic financial calculation, the net worth. And then we took the time to recalculate our power percentage for this year, which is the amount of your gross income that goes to increase your net worth in a given year. Okay, so you take all of the, what we view to be positive financial activities, 401k deposits, investment deposits, savings deposits, and then debt reduction. You add all of those hardcore numbers up and then divide by your gross income. And that will tell you how much of your income is used efficiently. Dame, tell me, this is not a trick question. I'm not trying to trap you. When's the last time you personally calculated your own power percentage? It's been probably six or seven months, but I just looked at it today because uh, I had somebody who was interested in it. I thought, ooh, I need to do that. Yeah, so that's that's where we're at in our household is that it has been a while. It has been at least a year since we calculated our power percentage. And I'll say this, it stayed about the same. It's It stayed about the same. And uh, I was a little bit surprised because there is a lot of fear around this recession, around this COVID time. So it's easy to make the assumption that you're lucky to have done okay this year. But then we stepped back and we said, how, how, are, 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 how is our particular household ever really affected like something like this? And the reality is it, it isn't. And I, I say that respectfully and hopefully appropriately. Some households simply have not been affected that much in the last 12 months from a financial perspective. It's an uncomfortable truth that a lot of people um, are struggling with at this time. It's you, you hear the the stories and you see it on TV and in the papers, and uh, especially right now with the, the eviction moratorium coming up and the, the need for more stimulus and people being upset at the, the prospect of only getting $600 per person in the household. And then you look at your own situation and you think, 
I didn't do so bad this year. Maybe, maybe I had a great year based on some industries that, that, that did well. Um, and it's, it's tough to reconcile with yourself. So here are the things you need to run down in your meeting. So you want to go through each asset balance. Not only do you want to see what it is this year compared to last year, but you want to understand why. Dame, this is a, a really silly, overly simplistic thing to say, but there's two reasons why an asset goes up. And sometimes people, even in our meeting, you lose sight of why it went up. Did it go up because you deposited money or because the value of the asset grew in an open market? I mean, you talk to people about this sort of stuff all the time. It is a bit surprising how often people forget that their deposits also increase the value of the account. It gets overlooked uh, fairly regularly. People think that uh, they're just going to wait on the, the magic of the markets to happen to drive their account values up. But you can make a big difference by making some, some good contributions. And the thing that really helps is a, a healthy employer match on employer retirement uh, plans. So uh, don't forget about you know the, the match. I mean, that essentially is free money and is just like a return on your contribution. So let the market do what it does, but do your part by making those contributions. It's also worth noting to, to that point about matches and, and you know what you're talking about is tax qualified accounts. To have this end of the year meeting with several business days left in the year, at least five to seven, so that you can transact what needs transacted, right? This is the opportunity Mrs. Planner and I use to say, okay, what tax sensitive accounts, what tax favorite accounts do we need to, you know, top off? And so you have to have time for those transactions to process through the financial system, one, because you don't want to miss a deadline. Uh, and two, if you do miss a deadline, boy, you're going to kick yourself because of the tax advantage that comes from that. You know, I did, I think I think I wrote an article this week. I don't know who it was for. I wrote an article about the concept of ta uh, topping off your, your tax favored investments at the end of this year. And it's not only to decrease your taxable income for 2020 or whatever the tax year is, but it, it changes your cash flow early in 2021 because you could see uh, a less of a tax obligation going out. You could see a higher tax return coming in, uh, a tax refund coming in. And then the ultimate is the reason you're doing this is to create long-term stability. And I think, Dame, sometimes people forget the reason why you top off these accounts at the end of the year is to do those three things. It's to reduce your tax burden, reduce your tax obligations, and then to strengthen your position long-term. I think that's overlooked. I'm not so worried about the timing of it necessarily, but for goodness sakes, you're exactly right. Make sure you've got enough business days where banks and financial institutions are going to be open to make sure everything happens because even yours truly messes up every once in a while and misses a deadline. God, yes. So let's do this. There's a couple other things that I think make for an effective end of the year financial meeting with yourself. Uh, so we will cover those after the break. Again, this is about a 20, 30 minute meeting you have with yourself or your significant other can make a huge impact on your year end. Start your year off on the right foot. We'll have some more perspective on that next right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. Okay, so far Chrome is not shut down. That's good. And Jameson uh, weighs in from Texas. Howdy. Howdy, Jameson. Yeah. Howdy, y'all. Jameson, do you have a cowboy hat? Do you think Jameson has a cowboy hat? I think you're issued one when you cross state lines. 
I found two years ago, Mrs. Planner and I were in Vegas for the national rodeo finals. Why wouldn't you be? Uh, because her brother and our sister-in-law, our sister-in-law comes from a rodeo family, oddly enough. Oh, okay. And so they always go to this and they invite us and we're like, am I going to turn down an invite? Um, yeah, you turn down my invites all the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I turn down invites all the time. I'm not going to turn down an invite to the national rodeo finals. It was spectacular. It was wonderful. And it, there was this expo, this is pre-COVID, where you could buy like Western wear, if you will. I think it was called the Western Wear Expo. And I thought, you know what? We're here. I'm going to I'm going to go into this with the idea that I might buy myself a cowboy hat. Dame, I tried on so many cowboy hats. Do you want to know who doesn't look good in a cowboy hat? You. <laughs> <Your boy. laughs> Not good at all. I mean, what just embarrassing. Was it the lack of facial hair? Was it the glasses? What was it? It was facial. That was during my, when I thought my beard looked good stage. It was just like a red frayed beard. Mm -hmm. And I just looked, the glasses looked terrible with it. Uh, by the way, people weighing in on the live stream. Hello, Rebecca. Uh, I hope uh, Connecticut is fine. She put greetings from CT, formerly lived in Indiana. Maybe she just lives on a court. Could Think be. about that. Sharon asks, what point do you include children in a meeting like this? How about adult children? Ooh, let's cover that in the next segment. This is why the live stream matters. We wouldn't have that insight. Uh, fun fact, Danza says, I spent the last, pardon me, the first 28 years of my life in Texas, never had a cowboy hat, and I'm a hat person. How does that happen? I always like to meet women who are hat people. You know, I think it's harder to be a hat person as a woman, unless you're Blossom. Mm. How does Maya Bialik keep getting television shows? Because she's a genius. Is she? Yeah, I think she's got a PhD. Well, and I will call her Dr. Bialik. You should. I will. She's earned it. No, but I mean, she gets so many television shows. I think it's great for her, but she's like on this new show. Anyway. So many. She's had two. She's had three. What's the third? With Maya Bialik. I don't know the name of it, but there's one... <laughs> With her on it. Okay, let me reset the audio. This is where things can go off the rails. Here we go. First time. Last week, Zencaster tried to kill our show. This week, it could be Google Chrome. Let's see what happens. Oh, boy. All right. So, Dame, it, it's giving me trouble. Here That's not a great sign. All right, everybody. No, ever, no one freak out. I'm getting back into it. Uh, so someone just said she's got some cat lady show now. That's oh, right. Cat lady. Andrew just said that oh. Maya Bialik has a, a cat lady show right now. The cat lady Bravo? is like a, a very cultural, uh, a culturally relevant thing right now. Really? There's a, right, there's game, the back rise of the cat, cat lady. lady right now? Let's see how this goes. I made it back in. Do you got me? I do have you. <clears throat> Good Lord. This show not brought to you by Zencaster. For all of your technically difficult needs. Might be time to start shopping for a different product. Okay, yeah, because I have time for that. I certainly have time for that. It's a good call. It's a good call. I'll do it. Okay, you do it. All right. Okay. Uh, coming back in three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Got some great ideas from the live stream audience during the break. If you want to catch this show live, please do Fridays at noon Eastern 
on the Pete the Planner Facebook page. We, you get to see our bald heads, our similar-looking, non-related faces. I had someone call you my brother this week. You did? Yeah. They were like, how's your brother? And I'm like, I don't have a brother. <laughs> they were talking about you. Uh, Dame, uh, as someone pointed out, uh, Sharon, to be specific, we were talking in the first segment about the end of the year holiday, uh, the end of the year uh, financial meeting for a household. And the question was, at what point do you include children in a meeting like this? And how about adult children? Let's start with children, children, loud, annoying, underage children, like my children. Uh, no, for, for us at this point in time at 11 and eight, I'm just not interested because it's a very serious, important meeting. Now, as maybe a post meeting, if we wanted to bring them in and talk about maybe some of the charitable, uh, you know, endeavors we have for the coming year to sort of get them to have some buy in there. Yes. As we'll talk about in a few minutes, your charitable focus for the upcoming year is always important to, to cover in that meeting. But Dame, uh, you wouldn't include your young children in that level of a meeting, would you? No, not at this point. I would consider it as they get into the high school age to uh, just get them some exposure to how these conversations at, uh, work and then also to help them decide um, maybe or have some input on on some of the kind of tertiary family issues, maybe uh, vacation ideas if, if that's in the budget for and the plans for that year. Um, if there's anything that has to do with uh, with college related decisions or upcoming college related decisions, uh, get them involved in that. So they have uh, an understanding and a buy-in of, of what's going to be expected of them from a, a appropriately young age. But I do think there's a time to bring the kids in. And like you said, depending on the topic and what you want to bring them in on is going to depend, is, it's going to determine what age you start getting them involved. I have to say my nephew, uh, just was accepted and received a massive scholarship from DePaul University in Greencastle, Indiana. And part of that process was my sister and brother-in-law involving him in financial question, uh, conversations around his college education and the tough choices that they would have to make as a family and he would have to make as a student and payer on loans if they were needed. So Dame, to that degree, and to, to your point exactly, when it comes to college, I think the second a kid's probably in eighth grade, you can start having that conversation. I know a big part of, of Mrs. Planner and I's discussion this week was where are we at from a college funding level? Where do we think we will be both eight and you know 11 years from now? And as part of our overall financial strategy, our house will be paid off in that time frame, so that additional cash flow can come and hopefully fill in some weak spots. Now you, you brought up something interesting too, Dame, and that's the concept of uh, vacation and having a kid's way in on that. I mean, that's more of a fun thing, not as much as a financial thing, but that's a, that's a really good point. What are your thoughts though on our adult children? Uh, and, and by the way, is it a different answer if you're a retired person versus someone who's in their you know 50, who happens to have a 25 year old kid? What do you think about that? I think uh, as you age and your kids age, uh, their involvement is going to change drastically as uh, as that happens. If you are um, into retirement and well into retirement, then it's really good to have somebody else that knows the ins and the outs of your financial situation. So if that means 
that you just sit them down for 15, 20 minutes to review everything that, that you've got and maybe not necessarily numbers, but locations and how to access different information that they may need in the case of uh, an emergency, then it's already there. Or where to find the estate documents if they need them, stuff like that. If, if you are on the younger side of that and you've got uh, kids in their, their 20s, maybe early 30s, I think it's good to have an open line of communication with them just to make sure that they understand uh, kind of the general feel for, for what you've got going on and the direction and the overall uh, wishes of, of what you want. But that open line of communication to make it not, um, not as taboo as we've made it uh, in the last 50 or 60 years um, is really important to the overall health of uh, the, the, the family and then the continuation of the family as well. You know, an interesting comment coming in from Heather on the live stream. She says she's worked hard to educate her daughter on financial realities. And now she's an extremely responsible 19-year-old with $40,000 in the bank and a Roth IRA. This brings up a couple additional points here to this conversation, Dave. Not only are you talking to your kids about college and how they're going to pay for it, but you can begin to talk to them about accumulating assets and about you know how to set yourself up for the long term by getting them involved with you know, instruments and, and, and uh, vehicles like a Roth IRA. And on top of that, as we've talked about on the show before, setting household standards that are not only great for your own household, but then can become relevant and important for your kids' households. We, we always say on the show, maybe your parents had a household standard growing up. And if you didn't know it, it didn't necessarily help you. But if you do know your parents' household financial standards, wow. What a, what a gift and what an advantage you'd have as a young adult. Yeah, we see um, imitation happen all the time, whether it's uh, intended to or not by kids and parents. And what a blessing it is to be able to get your kids out into the world after having modeled some good financial behavior. So uh, it, it's never too late to start, to, to start um, having that impact, whether they understand that you're, they're being influenced or not start making the right decisions. And then if possible, explain to them why you made that decision. And hopefully it'll take root. You know, this often reminds me of the uh, the differences between large family meetings like this of multiple generations, where someone outwardly says, hey, mom and dad, just so you know, I have no expectation of receiving assets from you. I have no expectation of an inheritance compared to What's unsaid in those meetings where that expectation of maintaining that nest egg for future generations is the overarching unspoken point. And, uh, you know, I, I've had the, you know, I guess the fortunate reality to be a third party in some of these multi-generation family meetings that were not my family. And Dame, sometimes that silence uh, is quite loud. Not only that, but then you sometimes have uh, people with differing opinions as well. So maybe some of the uh, the children are of one point of view. We we don't expect anything from you, but maybe there's a, a a brother or sister that is very adamant that they they are owed something for whatever reason that may be, and that gets really really uncomfortable real quick. And uh, it's not a conversation that I care to be a part of. Yeah, that is. There's a lot of awkward family conversations, but it's when two siblings view the same situation completely differently where things get just painful. It's just it, because 
it starts to get into fair and not fair. And, and then you as adults are judging each other's perspective because it affects you as an adult. Oftentimes with your siblings or, or family members, their perspective on things don't affect you at all. Right. And so you can extend them some grace and be like, Hey, we just disagree. Who really cares? You don't even need to know that we disagree because what does it matter that I disagree with you? But when it comes to something as uh, fair or unfair as your family's assets, I think that's where things get ugly. And again, if you let those differences go unresolved, they get worse when that first generation passes away and then you have to fight it out in person over the estate, it's a horrible situation. It goes right back to that line of communication and you telling everybody exactly what you are planning on doing and what you want to be done so they all hear it at the same time. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, everybody, on the live stream on Facebook Live, noon Eastern, uh, on the Pizza Planner Facebook page for your contributions. Dame, coming up after the break, we had a pension question come into the Ask Pete email address. We'll hit that next on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. Uh, we did get some feedback that you are having a slight echo at times. Does anyone else hear Dame have an echo right now? Again, uh, our, our, our setup always feels like it switches around. So if on the on the live stream, if you would say Dame sounds good or he sounds bad in terms of his echo, that would be helpful to us. Resetting the audio, Dame, let's see how this one goes. Uh, oh, we made it right back. Very smooth that time. Looks Zink like uh, to say we were going to start shopping. The echo came and went. Maybe it was the adjustments I was making uh, on the fly. So it was probably my fault. Your we'll fault. Figure. Thanks, Danza. All right, uh, Dame, let's do that pension question right now. I did not pre-read this because sometimes I should have because pension questions sometimes can get so specific that it's going to get ugly. But let's see what happens. Let's do it live. Three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, uh, we got a question about pensions that came into the email inbox. Oz put it in the Slack channel, so we're good to go there. Uh, hi, Pete. Is there a formula to calculate when an offer may make it attractive to leave a job that has a pension? I work for, I'm not going to say who this person works for, but it's a large consumer brand, Dame. Oh, you see, yeah, you know this. I can see it. Uh, okay. Our 401k, oh, oh, I work for this company, which has an insanely generous, lucrative retirement portfolio. Our 401k match is about uh, a half of percent up to 6%. So that's just a 3% match, isn't it? That's the way I see it. But we also have an unmatched post-tax contribution ability, mega backdoor Roth conversions, and HSA accounts. However, I'm at a glass ceiling in terms of level that I can achieve there and form a, and from a salary perspective, I'm grossly under market value. I've had offers of $40,000 a year more in base salary with 5% more in both bonus and stock. I'm a, oh, uh, FI Boglehead hybrid in terms of financial management and planning. So more money doesn't mean increasing expenses for me. That's a good thing. FI being financial independence, uh, for those that were wondering. Uh, I have 10 years vested in the pension. And if I retire at 20 years of service, my annual pension will be $60,000 annually before taxes with an added benefit to stay in the company medical plan should I retire before federal eligibility. 
I'm guessing there's no comparison and stain makes all the sense in the world, but was curious as how I could calculate the scenario. I know if I leave, I'd be able to increase my salary bonus options by 30 to 50% inside of a five-year window. Appreciate any guidance or tools you can point out. Uh, I don't see a name on this, but that's fine. I probably wouldn't give it anyway. I love stuff like this. I mean, this is why Hey Money was created to solve. Uh, I mean, this is, you know, this is the funny thing. This involves problem solving, and this isn't necessarily a problem, but it certainly is a conundrum. How do you begin to attack this, Dan? They've got a really interesting choice on their hands. They're either going to stick with a job where they're, where the market says they're being underpaid, but they're going to get a really, really secure retirement because, well, they've got a nice pension and they're also getting a, a, a bit of a match on their 401k contributions, which is exceedingly rare these days. Or they can go out, get that raise, and then try and recreate that pension with their own contributions. So the question that I think they need to ask themselves is how much risk are they comfortable with and how um, how intent are they on getting that recognition that they're worth more money in the marketplace? If they're comfortable with where they're at and it's a good work environment and the, the retirement contributions that they're making and the pension and the Social Security uh, are going to line up and, and cover them nicely in retirement, I'd encourage them to reconsider and maybe set their ego aside and, and stick with what they're doing, assuming the health, the pension is healthy as well. I mean, that's something else that, that needs to be taken into account every day, maybe not every day, but frequently we see reports that come out saying all sorts of different types of pensions are in trouble, especially uh, state and multi-employer pensions are in trouble. Uh, I doubt that this particular pension is, is having any issues, but uh, it, it's something to, to keep their eye on. So that's where I'm at. Uh, figure out what you really want. And if you want that recognition and that increased salary and you're, you're okay with that risk to, to set your own pension, so to speak, go for it. But if you're comfortable where you're at, I don't see any wrong with staying, anything wrong with staying there. How about you? I agree. There's a couple things that, that stick out to me here. Number one, I think you'd actually have to form a, an opinion, a perspective, an outlook on the market over the next five years to the end of your career. I, I think you would actually have to take some time to your point because in switching jobs, you are taking on more risk that you're gonna be more responsible for generating that income in retirement, right? There, you transfer the risk to someone else when you have a pension. Now the, the risk is different though. The risk is that the pension fails. This organization is large enough and, and is doing well enough that I think think they would be fine, but that's a risk that I don't have to take. So it's not really for me to, to say one or the other. And the other thing that you said that resonated with me quite a bit, Dame, is this idea that I think sometimes when we have a, a culture that works for us within a work environment, that it's really easy to assume that that culture will exist and or be better or equitable in an alternative environment. And boy, have I seen a lot of people make that mistake. They go to chase $40,000 more and they hate it and they want their job back a week later. Uh, do you think that takes on added uh, appeal in the job environment that we're in now, the jobs environment we're in now as it relates to work from home and life work balance and things like that? 
It would for me. I'd have to start looking at the totality of of my employment with that company. If there's no reason to uh, to think that I'm being deserved by them or I'm I'm uh, being harmed by <laughs> by staying there, I'd probably give more weight to my current employer because of how they've handled things or or uh, how they've changed things or been flexible or whatever the case may be. But a recruiter or an HR department, if they want you to work, there's going to be very aggressive and tell you what you want to hear to try and get you to sign that contract to, to move your, your stapler over to their desk. So you know, if um, right now, if you're comfortable where you're at, you better be really, really confident in that next gig. No, I absolutely agree. And I think too, um, it's some of that 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 you know, aggressive backdoor Roth situation they were talking about, the HSA funding, the ability to put extra money in at the end of the year. I think unless you have an offer letter that suggests those other organizations can provide those sorts of additional benefits, that forty thousand dollars is not enough to to make a jump. You know, and and this is for a person in this email who has committed to living at their means and never above their means, right? Uh, so that is to say, actually, they, they are living below their means. Most people, and that's a very broad, subjective thing, most people would really struggle with that much of a pay increase in terms of how it would affect their uh, expansion of their lifestyle. In fact, Dame, I, I would, I'm going to just throw a number out there. I, I think probably about less than 10% of people could handle a pay increase to that degree uh, without increasing their lifestyle. I think you're probably right. The one bit of information I wish we had, because I think it would be interesting, is how old this person is. I was going to ask you that. I, I'm going to go, I, I think they're around 45 to 47 years old. I think they're a little younger. Really? I do. I, I'm. I think I'm basing that entirely off of the the pension, saying they're ten years vested into the pension. You know what? I, I'm I'm going to switch my vote to what you just said too. I also think income sensitivity is a younger person's game. Right? Yeah. You don't see a lot of people, and I don't. This this might sound pejorative. But you just don't see a lot of people in their fifties or even late 40s getting bent out of shape about their income in relation to other offers. I, I just, anecdotally, I don't see a lot of that. If you were going to be sensitive and you had the uh, financial acumen to be able to save that money, though, be, when you're young, that's the time to be sensitive to income because you've got the ability to stay, save more when you're younger, right? I agree with that. I, I absolutely agree with that. The, the other interesting thing is if they are in their 30s or early, early 40s, I also think that market outlook that I spoke with, I spoke about at the beginning, is less um, significant. You know, if they happen to be their late forties or early fifties, that does matter, especially since they're going to be taking on more risk from a retirement income perspective. Yeah, leaving a pension in your mid to late thirties—that's about as tricky as it gets, right? Because you're right on the fence of if, if you were there for five or six more years, you'd have to stay but leaving can make sense too. So Dame, let's do this. Coming up after the break, instead of biggest waste of money of the week, I'm going to do best use of money of the week this week because I'm in the holiday mood. And of course, the current events, all of that's next on the uh, Pete the Planner show. I'm Pete the Planner. All right. 
I love it. Danza says, uh, Lifestyle Creep, starring David Spade. It's a good talk show interview. I happen to be a listener, as, as many of you know, to the Howard Stern show and on a regular basis. And uh, when David Spade is on the show, I, have, I find nothing. This sounds really judgmental. I just don't find anything necessarily appealing or interesting about David Spade. I, I just don't. I mean, I don't seek out his movies and his works and shows and things. However, when he's on that show, when he's on a show, uh, you know, Letterman back in the day or, you know, Jimmy Fallon or, or, you know, Stern, he's like a really great guest. Like he's an incredible guest. And it's like, what a special talent that is to be good at being interviewed. Yeah, to be able to be engaging and not just, you know, memorize a script or uh, be able to come up with punchlines, uh, quick quit, but to be able to uh, recant stories and share uh things that have happened to you in your, your life and crime uh, and he knows plenty of people that everybody's interested in. So it's, uh, it's always fun to listen. All right. You got your current events pulled up my friend. I do. You do. All right. So let's go ahead and hit it. <clears throat> Three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete, the planner show is it's actually not a waste of money. It's a really great use of money for a lot of, reasons this week's best use of money of the week is the psalms coffee cake club subscription so this show is based out of central indiana and there is a institution in the independent restaurant business around here called psalms s-a-h-m and no it does not stand for stay at home mom it is the person's last name psalm Ed and Eddie Som and their family run these restaurants. They are all over the place. They have different names. Uh, Soms is one of the names. Big Lug, Rockstone, different names. Great restaurant, great people, do a lot for the community. Dame, during this pandemic, uh, they transitioned their restaurants to not only grocery stores so people could safely buy and have groceries delivered. You, you could go online and purchase your every day, every week groceries from their stores, but they also converted a lot of their commissaries and kitchens uh, to uh, feed those who were struggling to find food, uh, the people who could not afford food. Uh, so they did a, you know, served hundreds of thousands of meals. So this holiday season, our organization chose to, as we uh, got gifts for, for, for people that, that are close to us, we chose to send out Psalms coffee cakes the ones we sent out were the caramel apple pie with cinnamon sugar coating co uh, coffee cakes dame i sent you one you received it i believe yesterday have you eaten it yet about half of it is gone and it is delicious it is delicious dame in the coming months here's what you can expect if you want one of these go to shopsoms.com that's shop soms all one word soms is spelled s-a-h-m-s December's flavor of the month is figgy pudding with candied oranges and big lug stout. January's got Dame's name written all over it. Maple bacon bourbon featuring West Fork whiskey and smoking goose bacon. February's chocolate raspberry truffle coated in raspberry sugar dust. And on and on and on. Listen to July's, Dame. Crunchberry filled mixed berry compote and dusted in captain crunch sugar oh wait and then listen to august indiana sweet corn local corn jam dusted in corn sugar and september peach cobbler with brown sugar oat crumble this turned oh. into a food show all of a sudden oh man go to 
go to shopsalms.com, support a local business that is a big part of uh, our community here in central Indiana and that has done a lot for people in our community. Help them help more people by going to shopsalms.com. Dane, what's in the news this week? Massachusetts securities regulators filed a complaint Wednesday against the wildly popular trading platform Robinhood, alleging the company aggressively marketed to inexperienced investors and failed to implement controls to protect them. Dame, here's the thing. I don't celebrate this news because you and I both know a lot of people, a lot of young people have been hurt financially by the gamification that occurs on Robinhood, in our opinion. I think, mm-hmm. how do you, how do we disclaim that so we don't actually get in trouble? We just say our opinion. Our opinion. Um, that's a giant fine. That is a giant fine for a company that's trying to go public and, and raise over a billion dollars. Well, no, no, no. That's that's something separate, Pete, because they were uh, Robin Hood has agreed to pay $65 million to settle regulatory claims that it didn't sufficiently disclose its business deals with high-speed trading firms. That's what they just paid. But this uh, is a separate complaint that has been filed against them on Wednesday. So Wednesday, they had a, a big complaint filed. And then um, yesterday, perhaps, they paid $65 million to the SEC because uh, they, they weren't upfront about their business practices. Yeah, when when you try to demystify investing, I appreciate the idea of trying to make something more simple so it's more accessible to more people. But when demystification involves literal digital confetti falling from the screen when you make a nominally interesting trade, I think you cross over into you're making it feel like a video game and not real money. There's all sorts of... Oh, man... Uh, issues that that I think you need to address for this very particular thing. Uh, you don't want it to turn into a magic money game for for people who are just getting started for a number of reasons. But you don't want to um, potentially do them harm or turn them off to doing uh, having a, a reasonable habit that is going to benefit them long term just because they were getting confetti thrown at them on their phone. You know what I often I think about when I think about young investors is this concept of what is a reasonable rate of return. If someone only has $1,000 to the name and they put it at risk, there's something about being young young and inexperienced that has you thinking, well, I've got to turn that 1000 into $2,000, not only this year, but sooner than that. And, and Dame, that's incredibly unrealistic. And it's just, that's gambling. What, what I'm describing is how roulette works or how blackjack works. That's not how investing works. And that's a really tough message to deliver to someone that doesn't have a great deal of financial literacy. No, there was a, a video I saw on uh, Instagram. I think it was this morning. Uh, the caption was follow this guy for financial advice. And the video was uh, he decided he was going to put $9,000 in Tesla at the beginning of the year. And instead of paying an additional $9,000 on his college loans, it grew to 60 grand and he paid off his college loans. So thanks, Elon. Yeah. That's the exact wrong message to be sending to uh, individuals who don't have a concept of what, what could potentially happen. I mean, you see all these, these posts and these comments about all stocks do is go up and it feels a lot like 2008 and 2009 to me, to you. Does it to you? Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And you know, we could arguably still see 
another major correction, if not a, a bear market entry in the coming months as the as the market and the the vaccine figures out what how it's going to impact us all and a, a new uh, you know presidential team like it, it's you know the market is not out of the woods just yet on a short term basis although i still obviously have a lot of confidence on a long term basis dane what else is in the news uh, do you want something that has to do with food or social media well we've done a lot about food this week so let's keep it going food Oreo has been on a streak of releasing more flavors and colors than anyone could dream of, releasing everything from birthday cake to chocolate peanut butter pie to carrot cake. Never let us forget the horrors of the fruit punch Oreo. But now the brand is getting celebrities in on the chaos by teaming up with Lady Gaga for a line of cookies inspired by her album Chromatica. That's right. The vanilla flavored Oreos feature hot pink wafers and neon green cream and are stamped with images inspired by the album. The limited edition cookies will be available in January. How about, does Jay Balvin have any cookies? Or is he just McDonald's? Just McDonald's. He's, he's not reached the Oreo level yet. Does Paula Dean have a special Oreo? <laughs> Maybe. It's just all butter sandwiched in butter? Yeah. Hey, I'm going to make homemade buttermilk biscuits this weekend for the first time. Really? Yeah, I've, I've just been wanting to do it. And I'm not the best baker in the world, but here's where I draw the line. I'm not a good baker because when it comes to measuring things, this is a weird part of me. I, I The precision of taking a cup and doing those sorts of things, like I'm not great at. Here's where I, I, I've, I've gotten into it. I start, I've now started weighing ingredients, mm. like how many grams of flour. Mm. And that I can, it's the digital precision that I can really get into. But, you know, just a scoop and I can't do that, but I'm making buttermilk biscuits. I'm going to make some uh, bacon, egg and cheese, buttermilk biscuits this weekend with some uh, scorpion honey, some hot honey on top of that. And I will let you know how that goes. Looking forward to the review. Uh, I certainly will. Uh, Dane, we have time for a, a miniature story. Uh, Brian Baumgartner, the actor who played Kevin on the office. Yes. He'll make more than a million dollars on celebrity booking site Cameo this year. That makes him the platform's top earner of 20. I was going to, my daughter loves The Office. I actually thought about getting a Cameo of him for her for the holiday. You can watch some of them. He does a really nice job. I should definitely look into that. All right, Dame. Hey, thank you so much, everyone, for listening, whether you're on the live stream, the podcast, or uh, one of our lovely radio affiliates. I hope you have a great holiday. We have a special Wednesday live stream next week, Wednesday the 23rd noon. That's when Dame and I are live streaming the show. We'll see you next weekend. I'm Pete the Planner. I didn't send anybody good vibes because they were in the budget or not this week. It's all right. It's the end Ran of, out of time. 2020. All right. Hey, Dame. Uh, we worked out some kinks this week, so that's good. You know. Uh, so those uh, who are capturing the podcast and you know, you're just getting the live stream, we're tightening it up. We realized uh, week one was a little rough, but hey, you know, this is, that's how it works sometimes. All right, everybody, have a great holiday, uh, but please join us next Wednesday, the 23rd, noon Eastern, right? Is that when we're doing it? Uh, I thought it was like 11.30. 11.30 Eastern, next Wednesday, just hang out on Facebook all day long, like my mom, and we will see you there. Goodbye, everybody. Uh... Thank you for attending the performance. And a special thanks to all those who helped with the show. I was pointing to.